So back in the day, we would eat, hunt an animal, we'd eat the whole animal, awesome. We'd be wandering around for a few days, or we'd see some like giant thing of honey, we'd eat the whole thing in one go, and we'd have a massive blood sugar spike. But our bodies are equipped, again, they are equipped to deal with blood sugar spikes. But nowadays, it's breakfast, lunch, dinner. It's just literally goes up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. It's not every few days, it's constant. So this increase in just blood sugar cray-crayness, basically, of the modern world, is making the receptors in our body like, whoa, <laughs> this mm. is crazy. And it's just, we're losing balance. The balance of it, and it's confusing the pancreas and basically your insulin is tied with your cortisol and it's tied with all these other things in your body, eating all these carbs and these sugars. It's throwing the balance out massively. And then insulin resistance is basically when your body's becoming too confused. All right, guys, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Well, so I want to start off because we spoke about the first thing on your list, which isn't going to make sense to anyone, but was it two weeks ago? Yeah. We were at the movies and I pulled out a pack of gum, <laughs> which I got, which I got that day. And whether it was the look you gave me, Laura, or whatever you said or whatever it was, I was like, okay, tell me. Tell me the tell me the truth about this. Death what's, staring what's your his, gum. What's his What's his gum? And you went on to tell me that it wasn't good for me and all the things for various reasons. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Introduce yourselves. Mm. What you do. Mm. And that's it. <laughs> Go. Cool, cool. So I'm Laura, and I'm one half of our business, Holist, and this is my partner. I'm Brendan. <laughs> so I'm the health coach with Holist. And yeah. Yeah, I'm the naturopath. And basically we just, mainly we support people through their gut health, but really that just means we support people with everything because everything stems from the gut. But we also have like a massive passion for food as medicine, cooking, just sharing heaps of fun little health education thing, making health not as overwhelming, enjoying it. Yeah, like yeah, it's so easy to like overcomplicate health like as always new things coming out new information and being like open-minded to be able to like be like okay what i used to think isn't Mm. so correct anymore and i'm open to changing my mind because that's such a big thing within like the health industry is like it gets like i feel like people start with an open mind and then they like learn something and they're like that's the only way to do it now Mm. and they just like yeah their mind just closes up and Mm. yeah so we're just trying to I guess just like keep an open mind with what we do and think holistically and think openly uh, mm. about health and yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that what we're, we're trying to do is, yeah. Yeah, just using mm. our knowledge and our understanding of health and trying to help others explain it, explain, understand it as well. Mm. Just like, but without like the intensity, I just feel like there's, sorry about that. <laughs> and it's just, sorry, she's not close enough to the no, microphone. That's okay, that's okay. Yeah, I just think there's so much saturation on health info out there at the moment mm. and like what you were saying Brent, like that like one way view and that's just not how it is every mm. single person's different everyone responds differently and it's mm. just like health's just become yeah. this like i don't know just intense thing and it just doesn't need to be i saw this thing the other day and it was like everyone feels like they always need to fix themselves at the moment mm. it's like the trend it's like just stop for a second and remember that you're not something that needs to be fixed. And that's not, not just like mentally, but like physically. I just feel like everyone, especially of our generation, is just like in this constant state of like trying to fix themselves. Yeah, there's always something. But if you just like let that go mm. for a split second as well, you can just be like, oh, I'm going to 
enjoy life. Because mm. there's the stress of the, the worry of like not doing things right and that yeah. anxiety and then that cruelty causes like hormone problems and like issues with the body from that stress so mm. it's like mm. uh, that fine balance yeah. between enjoying your life but like being aware of what you're doing and making i guess different choices depending on like the situations it's not gonna freak you out but it's not gonna harm your body as well yeah 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 that's a that's a conversation i was having with a buddy this morning actually about like different modalities like even even away from like nutrition like holistic health a lot of what i've learned when i when something is wrong with my body like if something's going on with my skin or like mm-hmm. something's going on with my body like i've got like a tight neck or whatever mm-hmm. the way that i've just naturally kind of gone for me i kind of jump to the emotional thing like mm, what am, sure. what am i holding on to what's mm. going on in my mind like what's mm. what are my surroundings and since like being around you guys more i've been like oh like okay that's obviously really important mm. but so training and mm-hmm. so is yeah. so is nutrition and so is supplementation and mm. celtic salt yeah. and like all the all the thing yeah. and no yeah. not extra gum and and this and that and so which which i guess that's obviously your expertise is looking at the nutrition component i think what you say about the open-mindedness is so important but then i also think like which is which is why i wanted to get you guys on is like when people have a basic understanding Mm -hmm. and they've got an awareness of like what's even though it's like find what works for you Mm -hmm. find like whether you want to eat meat or you don't want to eat meat or you want to eat just whole foods Mm. or whether you want to go keto or like Mm. that's all good but there also is this underlying thing of like there is stuff that just is bad for you yeah and that you should should really avoid and like but there but there's like because of there is so much information out there Mm. it's like well yeah but someone said that's actually like good if you have it like in moderation or like just just all of all of these different which I guess, in a sense, we're kind of adding to through this conversation. Yeah. But I wanted to get you guys on to kind of lay down as much as you can about just things that people don't know. Mm. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. and you've come up with a list. Yes, we have. And I'm fucking really excited <laughs> because, because I've done this for me as well. Like, selfishly, I'm mm. like, when we had that conversation, which I think let's dive into that now because mm. I kind of created a bit of a cliffhanger around that whole gum <laughs> yeah. thing. Everyone's like, what is he talking about? <laughs> um, let, let's let's start with that because even that, like I consider myself pretty, like I'm open-minded, but I can I thought I kind of knew. Mm. Like I feel like I kind of know the basics of everything. Mm. But then I was like, man, when when you kind of jumped, mm. jumped into that, I was like, damn so (laughs) let's start off with number one which i'm pretty sure is on your list it is gum take me through it gum so gum am i allowed to say brand names or no probably let's let's keep let's let's keep it mainstream let's keep it mainstream like mainstream gum mainstream gum mainstream gum when you flip a packet of mainstream gum and you look at the ingredients on it you know you'll see the flavorings and whatnot but you'll also see something that says gum base so gum base is what they're allowed to call what all the ingredients are that make gum chewy, will make it like not break down. And gum base is in, it's essentially made of plastic. 
So traditionally it was made from something called, I think it's called like jickle, which is like rubber. And a lot of, not a lot of brands, some brands still make it with that, but pretty much I think it's like 80 to 90% of mainstream gum makes it with something called like a synthetic rubber. So plastic in essence. So you're pretty much just chewing on plastic flavored with watermelon flavor, peppermint flavor, whatever flavor that takes your fancy. But yeah, in essence, that's what you're chewing on. And then when you compare normal gum to like bubble gum, bubble gum has even more of the plastic in it to make mm. it that extra like I'm a stretchy yeah, stretchiness. Sure, so because we're like literally Google like how is gum made? Mm. Like the first thing you'll see is like plastic pellets and like synthetic mm. rubber and things like that. And it's just like I remember yeah, hearing right. that a long time ago. I mean like, oh yeah, whatever. and then looking into it and I was like, oh, mm. that's crazy. Like makes sense because like people toss their gum on the road and you see it like at school yeah. like 10 years under the table later, it's just like dark and it's been there forever yeah Gusty. and rock hard yeah. what is it what's what's the secondary effect to that so like mm. obviously eating chewing plastic mm. isn't that good no. but what's what does that do for the body by for actually sure. consuming the plastic so different studies say different things. The classic mainstream view is that you just chew it, it'll pass right through your digestive system, which is absolutely right. That myth of like supposed to swallow gum. Yeah, but like you know, everyone system for seven yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, that myth. Like that's not true. If that's you swallow true. it, that's not true. You're not full of gum. You will poop it out. But I mean, it's really just more common sense. You're chewing on plastic. It's breaking down to a degree. It might not be fully breaking down, but you are chewing on this petroleum-based plastic. Yeah. Like, it's like if you were to pick up like a bit of plastic off the ground, you start chewing on it. That just seems inherently incredibly wrong. So some studies say absolutely no effect. Obviously others say basically endocrine disruption. And that's pretty much, I think, a lot of our points on our list. We love, we love talking about endocrine disruption. So your endocrine system basically is just your hormones. So your hormones are very sensitive to things like chemicals in the air. That's pretty much the main effect of chemicals, plastics, all the, the bad stuff of the modern age. And that will, yeah, disrupt your mood, can disrupt your libido, pretty much anything to do with hormones. Right. Plastic's got to mess up. In the US, the average person consumes a credit card worth of plastic a week. Yeah. Num, 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 num. Get it card, young. <laughs> is this? That's crazy. Like, the world is full of yeah. like, plastic and pollution that obviously you see in the oceans, but it's like getting into our food and fish and mm. everything that, that we have in our lives is full of that. And it, like, it's crazy because of how much it can affect our hormones. Mm. And like, and, like, you can't really say that lightly. Yeah. Like, mm you kind of look in, into what's happening in the world and it's like, it's pretty scary what things are going on with like gender things and, and mm. feelings and people just in, in general with like anger issues and, and everything. Yeah, infertility. I think it's like, this could be wrong, so fact check me. I think it's one in four they're estimating mm. is infertile now. Yeah, right. Like that's ridiculous. Obviously there's a lot of different theories out there for that, but like yeah. this is just, again, one element. Just this intense chemical exposure that's messing up our hormones. With that, like when it starts to affect hormones, I mean, you kind of you kind of explained it. Like it's easy to kind of look out there now and go, okay, look at the state of the world, look at the look at the increase, like I said, in mm. infertility, but also like diagnosis of all of these 
Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Diseases yeah. and over the past like 50, 60 years, like yeah, the amount of like illnesses and conditions. And mm. It's just like skyrocketed. Mm. When was mm. plastic invented? I mean, it was probably invented ages ago, but I'm pretty sure we started like, like the Tupperware sure age was like 40s, 50s. Yeah, okay. That's when all the chains started. And that's, again, one factor. Sure, sure. Yeah, but I guess I guess you look at you look at the compound effect of that, you yeah. look at that as a contributing factor among many, mm. and it's kind yeah, of like... It. There's so yeah, many different things sure. that are going on. But that would play a big part. Yeah, we, we can't just look at like one thing that's changed. Like mm. A lot has changed. I think it's the biggest thing is that we're moving further away from just sort of natural way of living yeah and it's it's more modern more i guess fake yeah in, in our consumerism mm. what we're putting on our body and in our body mm. and being around is just like not as natural as we get like even like in the in the room it's just like mm. the lights and and uh, like all, all those sort of like perfumes and sprays and things mm. like that, they, they all play their part. Yeah. And just yeah. changing how our natural state of human animal being is. Mm. And like, I love going to the gym because like, go to the gym, work out, move your body, do your thing, and go to the sauna, sweat it out, like all great things. But then you go in the change room, it's just like smells like yeah. thick of like, Deodorant, perfumes, Africa everywhere. <laughs> Links like, Africa everywhere. <laughs> like I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. Like when I was a kid, just like spraying so sure. much deodorant on myself, just all over. Just like whoosh, yeah. And my sister was just like, "You spray too much." Like, yeah. it stinks. and I'm just like, "What are you talking about?" Do you want a fun fact about that one? Just while we're yeah. on it, yeah, hundred percent. So smells. So obviously we have our natural pheromones. You know, when you I don't know if you've had this, but when you smell a partner or someone that you love, and mm-hmm. they kind of maybe you don't smell good to others, but it's like, oh, that fucking smells so good. Like, I'll smell Brent's pits and I'm like, mmm, delicious. Lovely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But majority of people are just coated in their favorite perfume or their favorite sure. aftershave, deodorant, whatever. So there's actually been studies, and this is the same with the oral contraceptive pill, that like, so if you're blocking your natural pheromone smell and it's like, oh, but Andrew really loves my flora perfume, whatever. He mm. loves that smell of me. Like, that's my smell. Say so you start wearing that one day, like, that's completely going to change your smell. Yeah. And we're animals. So like smells are like how we feel things. Mm. And like, it's actually like a crazy mental like switch for someone because if you don't smell them from the start, like that can actually change how you feel. Yeah. And that's the same with the oral contraceptive pill and heaps of other things that affect our hormones. If our smells aren't what they naturally are from the start, mm. it can actually affect a um, relationship long term yeah. because you change. Mm. But also, I guess thinking about that, like, I feel like humans have always put like floral scents on and different things like that. But I wonder if there is a difference between using something that's synthetic yeah. and using a more natural sort of mm. lighter sort of smell. Well, I guess there's two, there's two parts that are like the, the first is what you're saying, how it can affect like an emotional connection with mm-hmm. someone. But then the second is obviously synthetics are not going to be great for the actual bearer. Yeah. Like, yeah, like if I'm, if I'm spraying the deodorant. That body. 
Yeah. yeah. They'll change yeah. your hormones and then in yeah, sense yeah. that will change your sweat and then yeah. in sense yeah. change your smell. Yeah. So yeah. just just yeah. briefly too, because like like with with deodorant, like especially antiperspirant deodorant, spray deodorant, that kind of stuff, what's what's probably the key things that people should know about that that maybe they want to consider or because I don't use I don't use it anymore just from what you guys have told me yeah <laughs> but, but what's also interesting is like now when I smell people mm. I don't just go around smelling people but like if I, I walk past someone mm. and like I get a whiff of like mm. some I'm it's actually a, it's actually I'm not it's, it's not attracted good. to it 100%. anymore fully uh, it's I like I, I can yeah. smell the I can I can smell just the powering it's overpowering, it's but but just the scent itself. It's mm. just like, yeah. I, it just the only word that comes to mind is it's, it's synthetic, yeah. and I'm like, it's just yeah. not you natural. Can feel yeah. it, and you can feel it, yeah. and it doesn't. It's when doesn't you actually consume nice. it, it doesn't actually feel good. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild, hey. Yeah. When you stop using those things, yeah, you jump out of that world, and then you're like, oh, mm. so mm. intense. Yeah, yeah. I guess so, the biggest problem would be the aluminium. Yeah, that's in the antiperspirant antiperspirant deodorants like because that is the chemical that is it that closes up the pores yep. and stops you from sweating stops you from sweating sure sure because we're not meant to sweat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes we are <laughs> and i think that you have to fact check me on this but i think always aluminium can be found like in the brain after i think it was like seven years does it cross the blood brain Sorry, we didn't really, this isn't one of our points. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right, that's all right. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and like thing that's been like associated with like higher dementia rates and Alzheimer's and things like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so lo- long-term effects, obviously there's that. But then I, it's it's funny because it's like, as I'm thinking about it, it's like, okay, we go into the sauna to sweat, to yeah. release it. And then it's like, oh, but now I smell. So just like yeah, block yeah, myself yeah. up so yeah. that can't. So, so yeah. I guess that too is just sweating is just a natural part of just mm. releasing toxins from mm-hmm. the body and just yeah, yeah. like the body just cleansing itself really yeah. and if we're blocking that we're keeping all that stuff built up inside yeah yeah totally. and that's obviously gonna yeah. you do basically what it does. a big sponge like, yeah you're just walking around absorbing fully basically everything you touch and yeah come in contact with because it's it's just an organ sure like, it's just an organ on your skin largest so, organ like, in the body they're like yeah. when we're putting on those moisturizers and creams and all sorts of things. Yeah. It all adds up. Mm. Your, your body's just taking it in. Mm. And it's like, fuck, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> but then yeah. you're like doing all these things to like be healthy, but you're still just like lathering up on, on chemicals. Yeah. It's just like mm. you're in this cycle. Of it's, co- it's contradictory, it right? Is. Like it's a big contradiction, but it's like – we think we're doing the right thing mm. by doing it, which which just comes down to the way that we're marketed to and all the, yeah. the what what we're seeing. It's like oh, that's like like all of these emotional ads that we're seeing, which are designed to induce a feeling. It's like oh, like that person's happy and like that person's got like good health, mm. and it's like it's oh, that's like a jack dude spraying deodorant. So like. The association is I'll like, be a jack yeah. dude. And just, yeah, marketing. Like just marketing. Billions and billions of dollars. People yeah. Companies spend on marketing. Yeah. Just like pay the influencers of the world to use a certain thing or do a certain thing. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, they're doing it. It's sweet. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. Because yeah. a lot. I thought this will come up a lot in all of our points as well. Yeah, that's okay. Look, we'll, we'll fly through because I know you guys have got a, a no, good that's set. Cool. But let's, let's crack So, up. following on from number one, number two is tea bags. Majority of tea bags have plastic, they are sealed with plastic. So, you're basically drinking plastic juice. So, if you want, I've got a little study here that they did on tea bags. So, let me just jump right into it. I was going to start rambling. But so there's a study out of McGill University and it was published in 2019 and it found that steeping a single plastic sealed tea bag. So they kind of seal that little, you know, that little fold at the top yep. with plastic or it can be plastic lined. There's different things. But steeping one single plastic tea bag at about 95 degrees Celsius, so just like your standard cup of tea, releases approximately 11.6 billion microplastics and 3.1 billion nanoplastics into one single cup of your tea yeah right so if you're yeah having a couple of cup of teas a day with your tea bags you are just basically drinking there's your credit plastic. card there's your credit there's card right there literally though yeah. no money on it either <laughs> yeah. <laughs> heavy yeah. yeah like when you think about microplastics like you can't see them sure like the you have to like get a specific microscope to see yeah the, the tiny little plastic pieces yeah yeah and like you kind of you can look it up and look up like food with microplastics in them and people just get food from the supermarkets and like take slivers off and put it on a microscope and they can see the little tiny plastic like, slivers in there mm. like, and like yeah. that that being consumed like because obviously like people would look at a, a tea bag and it's like okay well i don't see it and like mm. it's like obviously it builds up over time but like with all that microplastic like because that doesn't break down that's does that get caught in the body does that block things that's where you start to have like digestion issues or gut issues like things just not functioning properly like what's the what's the i guess what's the dramatic effect of that Again, back on the endocrine stuff, back on the hormones, that's the main thing. So pretty much anything that's like a man-made chemical, plastic, kept whatever, obviously it will affect digestion indirectly, but I would say initially. So it will be absorbed to the most part, in the most part, by your mm-hmm. bloodstream. And obviously your body's like, I don't know what to do with this. It can, multiple different things can happen. But yeah, in essence, it will affect your hormones, your thyroid hormones, same as pretty much the one that we talked about before with the gum. Mm-hmm. It will pretty much just confuse your system. And, yeah, it can, it can do many things. And that's the thing as well that's scary is that we don't fully know yeah. what it could do because it's not like it's like, oh, you eat plastic, you get this. It's, there's so sure. many studies being like, oh, like brain damage, oh, gut problems, oh, thyroid problems. So it's yeah. just like this smorgasbord of what could go wrong. Yeah. So instead of yeah. just like, oh, I don't want to eat this because I don't want to have bloating, it's like, no, this yeah. could cause literally anything. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. why risk What's that? Rush? It's like Russian roulette. Sure. Literally. Yeah, just t- just taking a chance just for some gum. Yeah, or having yeah. a cup of tea, which like is in essence a healthy thing. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But it's yeah. not anymore. So the alternative for that is what, loose leaf? Loose leaf, obviously yeah. number one, but heaps of brands also, if you look, you flip the box around, they will say on the back if it's a plastic-free tea bag. My favourite brand is, it's an Aussie one called Love Tea. They're amazing. They It's naturopathically formulated. But yeah, they've got all plastic free little tea pyramids. So yeah, you just got to read the box. It'll tell you it's becoming more of a thing, but all your mainstream ones that you'll find are plastic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even just on the topic of 
of tea is like mm. I think tea is a massive one for like big pesticide mm-hmm. and herbicides because there's such yeah. a mass produced product. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So the actual product itself, it's yes, the tea not great. itself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Chemical soup. Chemical soup. <laughs> yeah. Literally now, whenever I have a tea bag from like someone that makes one, I just look at it. I'm like. <laughs> what is in you? Like yeah. it's when you th- yeah. And that can be, again, like we were saying at the start, a bit yeah. anxiety-inducing. Well, that's it. The, the, like, it's like health, like orthorexia. Like when you come just obsessed with, I guess, trying to be healthy. Yeah. It becomes like an issue uh, mm. that we spoke about. That's called orthorexia. Mm. Orthorexia, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's like kind of yeah. the, the now version of an eating disorder i guess yeah right mm-hmm. he's just being so like just tunnel vision anxiety yeah, yeah okay yeah <clears throat> yeah that makes sense but but i guess the less to do with like body image and more so just like i guess the holistic yeah vert, like it's yeah. which is so interesting right because it's like the the term holistic is obviously quite mainstream so it's mm-hmm. like something unhealthy making its way into something that is seemingly healthy Literally. to disguise yeah. itself as just another issue. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. The dark which, side is, which is dangerous, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Mega dangerous. It's yeah. like almost, you know, you're trying to do so many good things for your body that you obviously get really caught up in and then you get anxious and then you get you know, mm. your lifestyle completely shifts. You're like, I can't go out with my friends because I can't eat that food. And then you're missing yeah. out on that holistic part of like lifestyle, relationship, friendship. Yeah. Like that's part of health. Yeah. But your body's like, no, 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 I can't go out for dinner i can't like we had chips the other day on our deck like i can't mm. eat chippies because it's gonna make me sick or whatever yeah, and then sure. you miss out on these like vital moments with mm. people in your life or you know experiences because you're like oh, i don't want to risk that but obviously our bodies are really resilient and we have yeah. the different things in our body like the liver the kidney the lymphatic system so many things that are actually equipped to deal with all the things that we're talking about. But it's just the overload of them that we're trying to be conscious of. Yeah, sure. But, like, we also need to trust our bodies that our bodies can get rid of these things. And if we take care of them when we can, they're equipped to do that. Mm, So, yeah, yeah. trust in the body is very important. Yeah, that's it. Mm. And I think that's why we sort of go the way we do with our, like, eating patterns as well. And, like, we really focus on, like, nutrient-dense food. Mm. And, like, most of that does come from animal-based foods that we have been learning more about over the past sort of like two years like all, all those nutrients like the b vitamins the selenium the choline like they're very crucial like zinc vitamin d like mm. they're very high amounts in animal-based foods and the bioavailability of that is like way more than you can get out of plants like it sure like it's just that's the the way that those foods are designed like from from the human body's perspective of like breaking it down and being able to absorb it and like those nutrients are key for the kidney and the liver and like the lungs to be able to optimize their way of sort of filtering through the body so like if people are nutrient deficient and they're putting like a lot of fake chemicals in their body then that's their systems don't have the nutrients to be able to sort of process them. Mm. So it can become that sort of like cycle uh, again. Mm. Yeah, and I wasn't going to talk about this one because I thought maybe it'd be boring, but we're on the topic, so we're going to talk about it. Yeah, like in that process, I feel like there's a forgotten system in the body and that's the lymphatic system. And I think people just forget it's there because it's like, you know, you've got your organs, you've got your bloodstream, like you've got all these things. 
people forget you've got this whole other system that's in charge of eliminating toxins from the body. It's like kind mm. of the, the highway for getting things in and out. And people forget that it needs you to do stuff in order for it to function. So like the heart yeah, pump, like pumps and then it pumps blood around the body. But your lymphatic system's just sitting there. Right. So this, <laughs> yeah. Unless <laughs> unless you move or do things. So what it is is I'm gonna have to describe this. You've got little flaps basically on it, little valves, and they require physical movement to pump. So like walking actually helps pump your lymphatic system. Dry brushing, like pushing it up. Like you actually have to control yeah, like move, move the, the fluid. Otherwise it will yeah. sit there and be stagnant. And that's why everyone's always feels like puffy or whatever. But if yeah, if you're sitting there all the time, you're not moving, you're not doing anything. Like you've just got a little toxin highway, just chilling in your body. Yeah, right. And you're not pumping it out. So that's another factor. So, that's what we were talking about. And how would you describe the lymphatic system? Like what's what part of the body is it? Like is it what's it made up of? So it's everywhere so can you picture where your like circulatory system that is to say like your blood vessels are can you like kind of do you have like a picture in your mind of where they roughly are like when you look at a like human blood vessels like your right. blood vessels <laughs> you know when you look at like those human diagrams I feel like okay. everyone would have seen them at some point yeah. in their life in a doctor's office or whatever and you see the little red squiggly lines all through the body sure pretty much that's where you'll also see we generally depict the lymphatic system in like a blue or a green not to say that it's blue or green but that's kind of when you'll see those squigglies all through the body. So they look like, in a diagram, they look like blood vessels. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much they pretty much do work right next to them because they don't have a pump, but the blood system does. And the blood system is what's in charge of getting things out. So what happens is, so something to explain, when your lymphatic system and your blood system most of the time is right next to each other and it can go in between. Like they can pass through to each other a lot of the time or it can also get pushed into your lymphatic ducts. You've got lots of nodes in the body as well, which in the nodes is where the bloodstream and the lymphatics like cross over and they're like a bit more vascular. Right. And basically that's when like the transfer of like toxins or good things can like go in. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, like lymph nodes are like right under your armpit. Okay. And like back to the, de- the deodorant, it's like you spray in chemicals like yeah. right into your lymphatic system. Like into your lymph nodes. Yeah, right. That's why, like, when sometimes you get like a, a tick bite or like an ant bite or something, and your like armpit like mm. starts to throb and ache. It's like yeah. that's your lymphatic system because the compounds and like toxins are going into your lymphatic system. Yeah, to, like, okay. Swell in that sort of mm. lymph node. Yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff in your lymphatic fluid. It's not just like lymph fluid. Like it's made up of like it's clear in essence, but it's made up of so many different like bacteria cells like a bunch of different stuff the list would be quite endless to go through right now but yeah yeah it's just an amazingly important system of processing toxins to the body processing heaps of stuff viruses bacteria whatever you want to talk about it's a hugely important system that's completely forgotten in the Mm. process of elimination of anything yeah 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 interesting that's like another reason why like exercise so important like moving your body yeah it's just like move the system yeah around yeah when people talk about like stagnated like the stagnation in your body and like sometimes mm. you see people with sort of like i guess like fluid like in their like joints and things like that that can be like a sign of like lip fluid sort of being stagnation cool okay Let's move next on. what do we got like talking about my like meat and like the options of quality there's like different labels so there's like grain fed grass fed grass-fed, grass-finished, like regeneratively farmed, yeah, or organic meat. 
So like there's all these different labels and they're on like a lot of different things, mostly with like different products of meat. So I guess talking specifically about like cow meat and beef. So I guess the sort of list in priority and like best to worst would sort of be that like organic, regeneratively farmed, grass-fed, grass-finished. Because like you, you know the cows have been on a farm that cares because they care about the regeneratively farmed system, which means they're, they're moving the livestock into different paddocks. They're sort of following that natural cycle. Sure. The ruminant animals have, have always done. Yeah. And like being organic, they're not having those pesticides or herbicides sprayed on their lands. Mm. And they have to be a certain distance away from another farm that uses chemicals. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then... The, the benefits of, like, living in Australia, I think we, we have, like, quite top-quality meat. I think it's over 95% of Australian livestock is grass-fed on pastures, and a, a small, like, a percentage of that is grain-finished. It's quite a common thing for cows to be grain-finished. But what that means is, like, they're sort of adding that, like, marble and, and fat to the, the animal towards the end of its life. Yeah. That's just to give like like a, a lot of like restaurants kind of want that more like fatty within the meat, but that's not so great for the animal and like because their natural diet is grass, yeah. Like the and like little bits of like vegetables and, and fruits and things like that, like just found in the wild, but pretty much like mostly grass that they're eating. Mm-hmm. So when we're feeding these animals the grains and like. Like you kind of think of like Wagyu beef, that's like predominantly grain fed to like really fatten up that meat. Mm. But what you're really eating is like an obese cow. Sure. Really. Yeah. And I think like what we want to get into people's heads is because I think we're very programmed to love organic and as we should. Organic is great. You don't want chemicals. But when you go to the shop and you've got two options and you're looking at the meat shelf and you're looking at say you're looking at the minces or whatever and you see organic mince or you see of a grass-fed grass-finished aussie beef like what we want to get through your head is we would prefer for you to pick the grass-fed grass-finished over the organic because for it to be organic and i think bren touched on this they have to have complete control over what that cow has eaten and to have that complete control they're most likely being predominantly grain fed with like organic grain right do you know what i mean and then like up to you what you want if you really want to prioritize no chemical that's cool but for me at least i'm like i want to eat what the cow is meant to eat yes there may be some chemicals but like we touched on we can deal with that i'd much rather be eating the cow that ate the grass do you know what i mean yeah so i think we get a bit caught up yeah and like they're eating grass which means their body is being completely healthy as it should be they're getting the nutrients that they need and therefore I'm getting the nutrients that I need to live within nature. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like cows weren't meant to be just eating on, munching on grain historically. And I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that's our kind of our main point is just being conscious of organic versus grass fed when it comes to meat. Obviously, if you see an organic grass fed finished regenerative, that's you go, like go for that. Yeah. But I think that that's just a really common thing is that we're all getting really caught up in organic. And when it comes to meat, you just want to make sure you know what that animal has been eating i guess that's how kind of people forget yeah. that fact. yeah yeah because it's so easy to just go to the supermarket and get some food how long ago was that food produced sure. like, 
I think the woolies can have up to like seven months of like cold storage for their their produce. Yeah, just sitting. I think Pretty sure I've heard more. Yeah. Anyway, a long time. But yeah, it, it can just be sitting there and like the the energetics of the the mm. food and the the quality of the food and the nutrients like this starts to break down as soon as you pick the fruit or mm. the produce so yeah fresh is best really when when it comes to that and trying mm. to buy local it's the same for for meat as well we can jump into the next one because i've already sort of talked about it this morning off podcast and this is i mean look the big trend of celtic sea salt we actually love Celtic sea salt, so we're, we're pro, pro this trend, very pro this trend. But I guess we just wanted to explain why it's so good, but also just, yeah, water in general. So I let Brenny take mm. it away on that one. Well, yeah, it's funny because like, so I guess Celtic sea salt is like a better sea salt to use, but with the world being so full of plastic, it's becoming more common for microplastics to be in salt. Mm. and within sea salt especially because it's sourced from the sea and like drying out seabeds and things like that Mm. so thinking about like water and like the natural state of getting i guess wild water from like creeks and rivers and things like that it's it's full of all the minerals and electrolytes and even bacteria that are, are running through the stream so when we used to consume that we were getting all those things but now we're like heavily filtering and consuming water that's been like added chemicals like chlorine and fluoride and things like that and aluminium and and heavy metals like it's important to realize that we're like denaturing the water but we're still consuming the water, but it doesn't have all those minerals in it. So the benefit of adding like Celtic sea salt to water is to bring back those minerals mm. like into the water. And it's not like the difference between sea salt and table salt, like you buy at the, the supermarket, is that the sea salt is in more of its natural state and it contains a lot more minerals and electrolytes and it's not just 100% sodium when you look at the breakdown of of the compounds within it so yeah i think that's the, yeah. the biggest thing yeah so like water traditionally ran down streams hitting rocks algae bacteria deliciousness that we're meant to have in our water that's now pretty much gone mm. when you come through the tap and then they're also adding in as we know the fluoride the chlorine the chemicals which are completely designed to break down bacteria and many other things but it's in essence a good thing because you're like yeah i'm not going to get sick but then you're drinking these chemicals that are designed to eliminate bacteria and if as we know we are more bacteria than we are human so i don't know if you just think about that for a second like you're mm. drinking water that's designed to kill bacteria we are more bacteria than we are human. Like, what do you think that's doing to your body? Mm. What do you think that's doing to your microbiome? Like, you're literally drinking stuff that is going to be killing your natural bacteria. Mm. So obviously, there's a very easy fix. Filter your water. Basically, filter your water. I guess so that I understand this too, like when you go back to just the water that comes from the tap, if it's town water or whatever, without all of the goodness... Mm. We're consuming the H2O, like we're consuming the liquid and and for a lot of people, even just doing that, like, is enough. Like, 
a lot of people would prefer to have Red Bulls or Cokes or wine or beer or whatever. So just coming to water, obviously first step, but then, and, and consuming enough water, but then like, and, and this was, this was only only like you guys have only taught me recently is, is just that like, even just consuming that, like, the water will go through you, but mm. it's not going to hydrate the cells properly. Mm. It's not going to do what it needs to do to the body to actually create the effects that yep. what we kind of know water should yeah. actually do. Hydration. So it's completely defeating the entire purpose of drinking water. Fully. Yeah. To a degree. Like, obviously, you absorb some, but, yeah, our cells are multifaceted and they need like electron transfers and nutrient transfers and we can go into depth with that but i think that's just going to mess with people's minds but basically like the minerals in the water help the uptake of water into the cell and those minerals have been taken away so that's why replenishing it with minerals can actually help the uptake of water into your cell and not only not only they've that's been taken away but it's been replaced with things that are going to do the opposite yeah. for the body as well yeah mm. so you're losing the good thing adding the bad thing yeah. and putting the body completely out of balance in yeah. the process yeah. obviously like yeah. one cup of water is <laughs> no kill you. I get, yeah don't but get anxious again, again like emphasizing to get the point across but like that's the, the basis of it yeah, yeah. so now we just mm. have to basically Refilter our water and then re add in the minerals. It's a bit of a four stage process, but yeah, and you, you can do that by buying like a good quality like water filter. Mm. And there are water filters that go through like several different stages mm. where it's taking out the chemicals but then going through another phase where it's remineralizing, right? Yeah, like adding is- back those trace minerals. Yeah, okay. What does Co do them? Mm. Who else does them? You can write a list if you want, you can like. Add it to you. Yeah, yeah. What, what are you guys, what's your kind of... We've got a pretty silly system at the moment just because we live in a not ideal place. So we've just got a traditional water filter and then we re-obviously add our minerals yeah, manually because okay. most of these remineralizing ones, they're quite large and we live, yeah, we, we sure. live in a shoebox. So <laughs> for the time being, not realistic for us. Not but for yeah, long. Waters Co filters are really good. Yeah. I would definitely recommend also yeah. able to do that. Yeah. Brilliant. All right, so paper straws have been shown to have very high chemical content. So obviously we've all made the swap from plastic, at least in Australia where we are, we've made the swap from plastic straws everywhere to paper straws. And everyone's like, yay, we're being good for the environment. That's fab. So got another study for you. This one was literally done in August this year, so only a couple months ago. Mm. So I'm going to read it out to you. Recent study assessed a wide range of different drinking straws for contamination with something called PFAs, which is plori... I never say this, dyslexic girl. Polyfluorinated stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't start with A, Laura. Chemicals. (laughs) No, this is a type of chemical. I could go into depth, but I'm not going to go through all of them. But basically, they just assessed paper straws, glass straws, bamboo straws, stainless steel straws, and plastic and just to for the wide range of these different PFAs these different chemicals and what they found was that pretty much every single paper straw sample had higher levels of these PFAs than even plastic straws so paper straws are containing way more chemicals than any other straws on the market yeah even like bamboo straws and the glass ones as well even had them so blah, blah 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 we don't need to read any of that yeah in essence these PFAs, big word I'm not going to say, they live 
pretty much forever. They are forever chemicals. That's what yeah, we call them. Yeah, they're like forever chemicals. Right. Because they just don't break down. Okay. So like, even if you're just looking at the environmental impact of straws, then we, you know, we got rid of the plastic ones because that's good for the ocean. Now we're getting these paper ones that are getting chucked in the ocean and these chemicals leaching out, they're not breaking down. Mm. So it's still environmentally very impactful, but also it's going into our body and they're never breaking down. Mm. So it's just a really, I think people just need to be conscious of their straw choice and when you're getting a cheeky drink out, just sip it from the cup. You don't need a straw. We don't need straws. Unless you go for stainless steel. Okay. That's the only one they found that didn't have yeah, them. Yeah, didn't have them. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a very important thing for people to know. Well, I mean, again, like it's, go- <laughs> it's like <laughs> going, to, going to greener pastures mm. and realising that it's not much greener. Yeah. Right. And that's, yeah. I guess that's just, again, back down to the marketing and, and the mm. this and that. And it's funny because I, I look at like Maccas now, they do the paper straws and it's like, Maccas, go you. Yeah. But it's like, hang on. Like they're pretty notorious for like not doing the best stuff. Fully. And obviously like rules and regulations have pushed them into that direction. Mm. Would they be cheap? I don't know if you know this, but are they cheaper to produce as well now than does it post no idea. Absolutely no clue. Probably not because I know that they cost more to buy. So I'm guessing that just means, but they could also. Margins maybe. Yeah, exactly. It could just be that. Slap an organic label on the straws. Yeah. 20 bucks. Yeah, pretty much. So (laughs) look, we're all learning. The world is learning, but that is just the really harsh reality of, Mm. yeah, drinking straws. And you're basically, again, you're just chucking in a straw with chemicals and going. Sure. And it's just sucking it Straight through. down the gurgler. Straight down the gurgler. Whatever hole you want to put it in. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so our hands and our feet, they're a different type of skin, right? Like, right. So the skin on our hands and feet have larger pores. And this like helps absorption within our hands and feet. And so it's like, it was pretty common to put like certain medicines on our hands and feet to help absorption. It's common for like essential oils to be put on mm-hmm. the bottoms of your feet. It's like why um, we go pruny. You know when you go pruny in the water and you're like hands and feet go all wrinkly but nothing oh, else does? Yeah, sure. That's just like a physical way of just seeing it. Like that's mm. why they absorb more than other parts of the body. Yeah, okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. More um, spongy. Yeah, yeah. So like that's where we have to be careful because like Obviously, we want people to be more barefoot because, like, that's how we should naturally walk barefoot. But because of the world we live in, it's full of, like, sprays and cleaners and basically chemicals, like, Mm. walking through, like, shopping centers at barefoot or petrol stations or, like, like commercial lawns and things like that. They're very heavy on chemicals to do what they do, like grow the grass or fertilizers the floor is clean Mm. um but you are absorbing those chemicals more through your feet so it's like just being being aware of that being like okay i'm gonna have shoes on when i go to the shops but like i'm not gonna wear shoes when i go to the beach and things like that yeah sure being aware of like where you were like where you're barefoot because i wasn't for ages yeah and then bren pointed it out to me because i always always barefoot petrol stations barefoot when we start thinking about it, you're like, oh, God. Like, yeah, I'm barefoot just on this little yeah. petrol ground and then you're barefoot on the bleach ground of the shopping centre and then you're barefoot on, like, a 
oval where they've sprayed heaps of stuff and like you're just realizing again the compounding you're like oh my lord like mm. over my life i've pretty much always been a barefoot person mm. i've just been unconsciously yeah. absorbing stuff through my feet thinking i'm doing the right thing by being barefoot because it is so good to be a barefoot your brain mm. for so many other reasons but yeah, you're just you're just taking it up. So yeah, just being conscious of where you're being barefoot. Yeah, and we always encourage people to be barefoot more. So it's like yeah, the yeah it's just this yeah the irony of it. Like be barefoot, but don't be. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, because it's important to connect with the earth and yeah, sure. Yeah, it's the the shoes just cut ourselves off from being that connected to the electricity of the earth. And, mm and that, that grounding effect which is there's so much research coming out about how beneficial mm. that is mm. to, to healing our bodies mm. yeah it's fascinating yeah. cool fun next one so are parasite cleansers actually making us more sick <laughs> so I looked up on TikTok yesterday I wanted to see how many hashtags of parasite cleanse there was because it's like huge at yeah, the it's moment. A massive trend. So the hashtag hashtag parasite cleanse has seven hundred and eighty million hits, and there was obviously others like parasite cleansers and parasite blah blah blah. Sure. So it's like it's a big boy thing. Everyone's on it. Everyone just wants to clear the parasites from their mm. systems at the moment. And so we literally do that for a living. So in saying that, like we help people with their gut health, and we help obviously eliminate parasites. But da da, love the theme songs in this. Keep doing little tunes. <laughs> Is it necessary? So when you think about it, humans have been living with parasites forever. We've always lived in, like within nature. Mm. Back in the day, we literally were just eating off the ground. We would have touched things that were in contact with species all the time. We live symbiotically with parasites. Parasites are within all of us. And it's really interesting. Just like bacteria. Just like bacteria. Sure. We live, yeah, symbiotic just means like pals in the body. Nice. Yeah. Friends. Friends. So obviously, of course, we just want to like note if you're not feeling well and it could be from the parasite, that's of course when you need to cleanse it. But if you're just like feeling like we are right now and then you're seeing on TikTok like, oh, everyone's doing a parasite cleanse and then you work to clear these out of your system, you could feel better, but also you might not need to do that and those parasites could actually be helping you. So a lot of the studies that they've been doing in the last few years, they've actually been doing studies on adding in they're called helminths, which is your intestinal worms. They've been adding it into people's systems or mainly animals for the time being to see what it does. And what it's showing is that it actually supports your immune system really significantly because when your immune system is living with these parasites, it's honestly so focused on them, but in like a balanced way that it doesn't do negative things otherwise. So that is to say, when you look at the Western world now, so many people have autoimmune issues. So many people have allergies. You look at developing countries, not really a thing. Mm. So like the immune system now is like, I've got nothing to do. Yeah. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> I'm going to attack what I'm eating. I'm going to, yeah. but basically it's literally like, it's oh, attacking itself. dairy, I'm gonna, I don't like that. I'm going to flare up. I'm going to cause a disease versus mm. when you're living symbiotically with these parasites, but you're not having like negative symptoms, your immune system just gradually just a little preoccupied with it so it's not going to focus on the other sure, things sure so i'm trying to think if there was anything else obviously we live very hygienically now mm. post-covid world but even pre-covid world we are mm. like ultra clean people and that's something called the hygiene hypothesis so that's yeah it just proposes that living in these increasingly clean environments especially during childhood can lead to a rise in autoimmune issues and allergies 
so yeah, so this therapy is actually something, this helminthic therapy where you introduce the live worms into your system. Yeah, you're showing incredible promise at getting rid of heaps of different conditions. Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, different allergies, heaps of different autoimmune things are actually being helped by adding in parasites. Mm. So just, we want people to be aware that when you're just flushing them out of your system, you could be hurting yourself more than helping yourself. What would you say then to some, like, mm. is there kind of a bit of a guide then mm. to go like, when when is it best for someone maybe to consider that? And also like, what what should they look at before mm. doing a parasite cleanse that mm. may be contributing to them wanting to, mm. maybe not feeling good or just wanting to kind of do it? Fully. So I think obviously, I mean, we all know when we're not feeling well, a lot of the time parasites can have really, like when you have gotten overgrowth or it's actually, you know, causing an imbalance, you can have so many symptoms. It can cause from anything from like nervous system, stress, headaches, migraines to bloating, weird stools, really kind of can be anything. Parasites can be a bit of a like stab in the dark. But yeah, I would say if you've just got like a little vague symptom of like a little headache here and there, like it's just not worth doing it. But there's also, there's, there's tests out there. You can get tested before you do it. Right. You can do a stool test. You can see, you can go see a practitioner who can establish what your symptoms are and then go from there. If you're just sure. sitting at home, you're scrolling through the TikTok and you're like, ooh, I'm going to take that supplement and that supplement and that supplement. Mm. Pretty much all antimicrobial, antiparasitic, anti-anything medications, supplements, even if they're natural, can cause a lot of other effects, which is why they're so powerful. But you are just going to be, you can be killing off your microbiome while you're doing it and you may not even need to be doing it. So then you're going to be impacting your immune system even more. Yeah. And when you're doing it unguided, you're putting you're, out of balance. Yeah, you're putting yourself out of balance. It's actually kind of ironic. Like, you take, they're really strong. You take it. It's pretty much like a little natural bomb to your gut and your microbiome to try and get rid of the parasite. And then your guts are fucked. Yeah. So like, if you're not sure, don't do it. Or if you're not sure, go see someone. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Sure. If you're not sure, sure, you're not sure. Yeah, right. So you so you would suggest maybe just going through, like getting some testing done, a microbiome test would be, will that indicate... That's probably like Much? the best test that we've got at the moment overall. Yeah, PCR stool test or something called like, yeah, it's like a GI map and it will just give you an, an indication of what is showing up in your system. It shows different parasites that could Blood be work. in there. And yeah, we can, a practitioner that probably specializes, you can analyze it through blood work. Yeah. Wouldn't say a traditional dog would be your way there. But yeah, going to see someone like ourselves who <laughs> can do that. <laughs> It's just, it's a must. It's like any other condition. Yeah. Imagine if you were just like, oh, I think I might have that. I'm going to treat myself. If you're not sure, you don't know what else these supplements and herbs can do. Sure. Like one singular herb, which is why I love them, can have like up to 30 or more actions mm. as kind of medication. Obviously, they're not as strong. But like, well, yeah, one singular herb can do so many things. Mm. Like you look at St. John's wort, which is like a really common one for depression that people use in the natural world, mm. it's a really strong antiviral as well. So it's like yeah, completely right. different actions. Yeah. Sure. And if you're just like, oh, I'm depressed, I'm going to take this, and you're taking an antiviral every day, obviously it's pretty good and the body can balance it out. But it's just, you don't know that. Yeah. It's just being conscious of what you're putting, your blah, 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 what you're putting in your body. <laughs> yeah. yeah, always going to see like a functional practitioner yeah, like, before always. changing like anything really because – you just don't know what your your body's going to do mm. to something, especially with like 
strong herbs and mm. things like that. Mm. And what's like, what is a functional practitioner? So someone who looks at like the body holistically. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it can be an integrative doctor. It can be naturopaths. It can be, it can be nutritionists, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You'll generally get the vibe of them. There's even coaches out there that are like, I would say worthy of that title. Sure. But you, you'll get the vibe when you sussing them out if they're looking at the body holistically or not and if they've got the knowledge to back that up yeah yeah and just depends on where in the world you are as well i guess going to like blood sugar regulation like diabetes and things like that that's like a massive thing Mm. that's coming up for a lot of people is they're becoming like insulin resistant so like the the way they're eating and the way they're living their lifestyle like it's very processed food heavy and very generally like carb heavy when people are eating all of their meals like breads and pastas and like rice heavy rice meals and things like that like they're eating that all the time mm. which people do especially like having like cereal for breakfast and and then like sandwich for lunch and and like pasta for dinner like you're consistently having like quite heavy processed carbohydrate meals so like the the biggest thing we kind of help people with when they're starting to go down that insulin resistant path is like changing their breakfast first because like that's one of the first things you do in your day is like breaking your fast that's breakfast why it's called. is the most important meal of the day <laughs> sound like the tv yeah totally like and they're like it is but it's like, it's not really about like the t- specific time you eat, but it's more about like what you're putting in your body first. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of wake up, most people are dehydrated. So having some water with some salt or some bone broth or something like that, to just get those fluids into you. And then when you first put something in your body, like you want to make sure it's like a whole food, whole food and protein, fat, fiber rich. Because that's not going to give you a big spike of of blood sugar in the morning. Mm -hmm. And your first, like, glucose response in the morning is going to set you up with how your glucose is going to respond for the rest of the meals in your day. So that's such a big thing we we tell our clients is to, like, really focus on a lower-carb or no-carb breakfast and just having, like, eggs, avocado, veggies – and that's going to give them like a really low or no spike of glucose in the morning. And then that's such a game changer. Like mm. we just had a new client come on and mm. we're, we're helping them with like insulin resistance. And just over the past two weeks with her having that sort of breakfast, she's noticed like she's not really getting her cravings during the day of her like, like sweet foods. And she's been like heaps better throughout the day. And that's just just changing that one one little thing what's insulin resistance you mentioned so, that. do you sort of know like what like sort of pre-diabetes is or diabetes or anything so, all right, so there's obviously lots of types of diabetes there's pre-diabetes and there's insulin resistance that's kind of like i guess you'd call it the first right. phase of things getting out of whack yeah so your pancreas is in charge of your i guess your insulin release i guess we'll call it mm. yeah and nowadays so if you think about Back in the day again. We always love going back in the day. So back in the day, we would eat or hunt an animal, we'd eat the whole animal, awesome. We'd be wandering around for a few days, or we'd see some like giant thing of honey, we'd eat the whole thing in one go. 
and we'd have a massive blood sugar spike. So, but our bodies are equipped again. They are equipped to deal with blood sugar spikes. But nowadays it's breakfast, lunch, dinner. It's just literally goes up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. It's not every few days. It's constant. So this increase in just blood sugar cray-crayness, basically, of the modern world is making the receptors in our body like, whoa, (laughs) this Mm. is crazy. And it's just we're losing balance. The balance of it and it's confusing the pancreas and basically your insulin is tied with your cortisol and it's tied with all these other things in your body and yeah eating all these carbs and these sugars it's throwing the balance out massively and then insulin resistance is basically when your body's becoming too confused right. in essence to create like to release the right amount of insulin mm. to make the blood like to make the glucose be absorbed into the bloodstream and into the cells and into everything you need right so it's basically a confusion of your insulin and that mm. can cause a multitude of effects like I said, it was tied with cortisol and cause stuff with your nervous system. It's just like this never-ending list, PCOS, heaps of things can be caused by that. Yeah. yeah, and back what you were saying, I think I wanted to mention that. First thing in the morning is when your glucose, your blood glucose is most sensitive. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like in the day, like there's a time you want to care about it, it's the morning. Because that's when it's going to be like, Ooh, what are we going to do today? Mm-hmm. Mega sensitive. So that's like care about that the most and then... Go from there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you no, do your recce. That's why fasting has become such a popular, like, trend of health. Because, like, that helps reduce your insulin spikes. Like, and insulin spikes aren't bad. They're no. a natural response to food. Like, you eat your food, it's processed. Glucose gets broken down and released into the bloodstream. And when that isn't used in the bloodstream, it's, like, put into the liver and then the liver makes it into fat and then... Mm. Fat. so yeah it, it's it's a natural response but it's like that out of balance too many incident spikes frequently snacking like high sugar foods yeah that's where it starts to become an issue but when we focus our meals around protein rich quality high nutrient dense foods like you're still getting an incident mm. spike because that's normal but it's it's getting a spike and it not going hypo which is low so you're not getting that like you're getting instant spike and then it's coming back to baseline you're not getting that like crash. slump and crash where you you'd get after like a heavy carb meal mm. you get a bit like egg on and then you kind of crash and that's that 3 p.m yeah. 3 p.m energy slump i think every single client it's i've super, ever had super has had that mm. 3 p.m everyone's like oh i'm tired I'm done for the day. Need need that sort of pick me up, like sugary snack or something like that. Mm, mm. Yeah. And is that generally like, does that coincide with them having a carb heavy lunch, or does that actually carry over from breakfast? Yeah, breakfast. It can be anything. Generally, I would say like it could it could be your snacks, it could be your lunch. But yeah, if you're setting up from breakfast, anything can happen. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like Pretty cereal much. should not be oh. breakfast food. Bloody sugar like, juice and sugar crunch. No fruit yeah. Yeah, like no most cereals, yeah, if you look pops. at the ingredients, like they're huge ingredients list, but like sure. verse two is probably grains and sugar. Like you'll probably find that on most cereal foods. Mm. We, love we love it. We love it. We love it. Not good. All right, next one. 
Are your undies reducing your semen quality? This one's for... Whoa. Am I allowed to say the men or am I going to get in trouble? This one's for the people with penises. You can <laughs> generally have a saying. I actually wrote, the testicles are located on the outside of the body, in case anyone wasn't <laughs> sure. So, what do you mean? Yeah, so they're actually on the outside. They're not on the inside, if you hadn't noticed before. <laughs> but, but they're in the it. sack. Yeah, no, it's just... Obviously, they're like on the outside, though. Right. Okay. I just wrote That's why they hang in a sack because they, they need a lower temperature. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. So yeah, they yeah, yeah. can't be fully in the body because they are so much more sensitive to temperature. And right. overheating <laughs> the testicles actually reduces your semen quality significantly. So that's why things like synthetic fabrics or general undies, like all your Kmart undies and stuff, they're all going to be just different nylons and whatever else to make mm. them stretchy and whatnot. But these fabrics have shown to create way more heat and they're way less moisture wicking, which means like pulling out moisture. So it's just like this kind of sauna for your balls. Yeah, right. Sauna for your balls, not so good. Not so good. So the overheating of it actually can damage your sperms. It can slow down. It's called like spermatogenesis, which is just like the creation of your sperm. And yeah, there's been heaps of studies as well that like men who wear loose boxes what was the stat what was the stat fascinating so men who reported primarily wearing boxes had 25 percent higher sperm concentration than men who wore any other type of sort of normal undies so that looseness that Mm. breeze around your privates we love it Mm. and then if you don't want to do the boxes you can do a natural fabric cotton bamboo most undies even the natural ones you can find they'll still have maybe like five percent nylon or something that's just to make sure they can stretch but yeah if you're getting like a 90 95 percent natural fiber loose or none we love none really important for mm. your semen quality yeah totally and there's like there's contradictions around it as well because with like saunas yeah like it's like you're going in pretty much like 90 to 100 degree room mm. But you're only in there for like a small period. Sure. Like you're not staying in there. And no, that's where I think like wearing Mondays like all day is it's a little hot box. Yeah. Well, almost like 24-7, right? Yeah. Like if, if you're pretty yeah. much like showering and then getting back in yeah, undies and then, yeah. 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 Interesting. That, that could be like a, a benefit of ice baths yeah. and things like that. You like could ice their balls. Ice, ice their balls. Mm. Yeah. Great can, thing to do. Balls yeah. ice pack. Yeah. You can even get like underwear that has like an ice pack. Okay. Done. Oh, Can't pay it. It's been done. Devo. Hectic. Yeah. That's yeah. so yeah. interesting. So, so if you're like on a fertility journey. Yeah. Really important thing yeah. to consider. Yeah. 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 Ice baths are a few balls. Mm. Yeah. People even say like wearing those sort of like ice pack underneath like in saunas and things like that yeah sure be a bit more of a protective measure yeah so yeah extreme temperatures would the quality of the sperm count would that mm. coincide at all or would that translate into testosterone as well like does that have an effect on testosterone uh, i don't know the direct effects on that to be completely honest mm. i mean potentially yeah but i'm not sure okay but like using logical sense to a degree, I'm sure it does. Yeah, yeah your testosterone is created. The, the yeah, the next one, the next point, we are onto that. So, <laughs> stay on every, the balls. staying on the balls, staying on the penis. So, every ejaculation, you lose five milligrams of zinc. Right. Which is 
significant. That's a lot. Oh, that's, what's the daily? So yeah, so for men over 19, so you kind of standard ejaculators, uh, <laughs> their recommended daily intake of zinc, your RDI, RDI is 11 milligrams. So you're meant to be consuming 11 milligrams of zinc a day. So even if you're ejaculating just once a day, that's five milligrams. You're doing it twice, that's time. 10. That's nearly your entire intake of zinc for the day. Yeah, well, gone. Right. So zinc is such an important nutrient that's very undervalued in today's society, not only for all of its benefits with like wound healing, immune system, skin health, hair health, everything. It's really important for sperm health and testosterone as well. Mm. So it's really interesting when you think about the fact that like your body is ejaculating this nutrient that you actually really vitally need for you to make to make sperm, but also to have a stronger libido to have... Yeah. Make testosterone. Yeah, make your testosterone. Like, and it's basically just make making people conscious of what they're eating and being focusing on zinc-rich foods is really important, especially for men. So that's like oysters, red meat, um, pepitas. <laughs> pepitas are really good. Yeah. But yeah, I think people just forget about what you actually lose in an ejaculation. Mm. It's not just like white fluid. Like, what is that white fluid? Mm. And what else are you losing? And yeah, the main thing that you are losing is zinc. This is not to say do not ejaculate ejaculate all you want just make sure that you're replenishing the nutrients afterwards and the, the, this could be because it's so funny i was having this conversation with my buddy this really? morning a lot around semen retention abstinence all that mm. kind of stuff because i've yeah. looked into looked into that a lot from a different perspective not from the mm. the zinc perspective because you've got ejaculation mm-hmm. you've got it through masturbation and you've got it through sex yeah. is there a, is there a difference of the actual what's in it in terms of like like when you say you lose zinc mm. especially mm. is is that the same are there any other like well obviously like it's still the, the same with your losing that nutrient sure I, I feel like on a i guess like spiritual relationship connection level that like connecting with a partner in that sexual intimacy and like that's healthy Sure. Yeah. 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 But then there's like the other side with like, I guess, sleeping around with like different women and like different partners, like that in its like own realm, like emotional side. And sure. Yeah. Like that, that's a different sort of. Because I guess if you're like connecting with a partner, it's yeah, you're releasing, but there's also the oxytocin and all the the natural hormones that get released and just everything else as opposed to just literally just yeah, like, and that's it. That's the only transaction. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, It's like you're giving and you're getting when you're with a partner as well. Sure. sure. Yeah. I don't actually know. I wonder if women can absorb that zinc. That would be interesting to find out. True. When it goes inside. A little zinc supplement. Because, like, I mean, no, that's something. Like, that is a factor. Like, when women, I can't think of any other way to say this, swallow, mm. you're getting that five milligrams of zinc. True. Congratulations. You might be promoting something there. <laughs> promoting supplement idea. Rise of Whole food zinc supplement. Rise of, yeah, interesting. <laughs> that's terrible that is that is terrible but you know. natural natural interesting yeah okay med cool. farms men farms <laughs> the, the organic producers like a cow producers yards sorry just like yeah. ice pack on the, all their balls oh my God. <laughs> we have the highest grade organic iced ball semen available okay cool right. right what's our next on our list 
obviously sun rises, sun sets, there's different light spectrums from when the sun rises to midday and like sunset. We're getting those like more like red lights in the morning and then it's going up to more those like blue white lights in the middle of the day. And when we get those sort of evening and like morning and evening lights, that's helping set up our circadian rhythm, which is your like sleep wake cycle. So when people like do night shifts and things like that, that's why they get so like messed up because like that circadian rhythm is just being put out of balance so so often. Mm-hmm. So the sleep hormone melatonin is released when the start sun starts to go down, light starts to disappear, your brain senses through your eyes that okay there's no light let's start producing melatonin to start to prepare for sleep and this slowly goes up as it gets like more time in the dark that's where you get really sleepy and then sleeping you wake up in the morning and you still have that melatonin but it's been decreasing and when you get that sunlight in the morning that tells the brain to stop producing the melatonin and start producing serotonin Mm-hmm. And your cortisol goes up in the morning too, but in a good way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's cortisol responsible for? So cortisol, we call it the stress. We call it the stress hormone. Mm. It gets a lot of bad rap and like, look, it can have poor effects when dysregulated. Is it an antioxidant? It's anti-inflammatory. Anti-inflammatory. Thank you. Yeah. It's actually an incredibly anti-inflammatory hormone. So like, that's why we produce it. Yeah. Okay. But obviously, yeah, it's you know connected to your fight or flight system. So when you're dysregulated and your cortisol is dysregulated yeah. and you're stressed, it's all out of whack. You feel abnormal amounts like of cortisol being released for what you're actually like going through. Yeah. So yeah, for instance, like in the morning, I've done a test and it said that I had incredibly low cortisol on waking and I'm really tired in the morning. Like I've struggled to keep my eyes open. Mm. I've been working on that and then working on your nervous system and your stress response and all those beautiful things you can do for that. Obviously you have supported me and I'm much better now. But, yeah, it does get a bad rap, but it is an incredible hormone, but one that is very dysregulated in the modern age, just due mm. to our ridiculously fast-paced stress. lives. So cortisol is essentially like it's kind of like what makes us feel energised. In a is way, yeah, right? we'll fight or flight, right? Like okay. adrenaline, let's go, yeah, you know, okay. but you don't want to yeah. let's go yeah. all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, it has its place. It's sure. incredibly useful, but we're just our lives just don't support it in the modern, mm. modern age. What's the difference between cortisol and adrenaline? Slightly different functions right. just in the body. In the body. Yeah, like adrenaline, I think, is more that, like, rushing the blood to, like, your peripherals and stuff like that. Okay. Like yeah. that kind of pre-about-to-do-something-crazy feeling. Right. But, yeah, adrenaline's another factor as well that can be being released yeah this is a interesting one so like some of the pantry staples like more so like canned food and like packaged food and things like that it has been found there's more like it's more common to have mycotoxins like mold Mm -hmm. in those foods so like peanut butter is it's funny like it's not actually a nut it's a legume yeah, but like yeah. It, it can like occur at like various stage stages of like the processing journey, and like depending whether it's coming from like a more humid, like damp climate, or mm-hmm. a more dry climate, 
can determine like the difference between if it's going to be more likely mm. to have those mycotoxins or mm. not. And like mycotoxins can be released from like mold on houses and ceilings and things like that. And it can be like really toxic for humans to be in contact with that regularly. Mm. Like obviously it's still part of nature and like we come into contact with mold all the time and they're within us. Specific strains though as well. Yes, yeah, Like the ones strains. that they find in, the, in like the peanut butter, can tomatoes, coffee is a big one as well. Lots of right. grains, spices, the different strains. I think it's, it's aspergillus is like one of the strains because there's obviously like a bajillion different types of mold and some affect us. Like, you know, the classic black mold is mega bad, but other ones mm. aren't as bad for us. It just depends mm. on the type and the strain. Mm. But yeah, this aspergillus one, it creates something called like an aflatoxin and just this toxin creates so many disruptions in our body and mold just it sticks around in the human body it doesn't really get passed through really well so if you're eating moldy foods living in a moldy environment which pretty much every australian is because we're in a very kind of humid yeah. place with like older buildings it's just like a breeding ground for mold so we're already quite exposed to it and then we're eating like everyone eats peanut butter everyone eats cantonas everyone drinks coffee every single day like we're just building this mold up in our system and mold just it has the weirdest symptoms like it can just be like fatigue but you can get like electric shocks are a massive sign of yeah weird Mm, weird symptoms yeah Mm. it does like the normal ones but it does some wacko ones as well but yeah i think it's just being really conscious of obviously if you're in a moldy environment and then again being conscious of how often you're eating these sort of mold classically ridden yeah that's why like local fresh food yeah we all know it there's <laughs> always a, a better choice oh, if, if we can because mm. mm. it's way less likely to have those sort of molds from being stored mm. yeah and not doing peanuts doing more like almond butters cashew butters or things like that as well and then coffee so specialty coffee for everyone out there that's the way to go so specialty coffee has been like i think that's like they have a lot of things they test for right but yeah mold is one of the big ones so I think like, you know, like the Byron Bay Coffee Company, okay. they do, like it should be mold free. There are others. It's just one of their, their testings. Yeah. Right. The coffees go through. Mm. Yeah. Okay. To give them that specialty coffee label. And it will mm. say that when you're like at a cafe or something, you're like, is it a specialty coffee? And then they'll know. Um, yeah, right. It's a good thing to be conscious yeah. of. Mold is, mold is wild. Mold is like its own podcast in itself. Mm. Yeah. So next up. This one is an oldie but a goodie. Do you still use non-stick pans? Do right. you still use non-stick pans, Andrew? <laughs> we all do. Stone one, I think. Or is it not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like we all do. Yeah, okay. we all do. And right. I don't. Do you know the history around non-stick pans? There's yeah, a really right. good movie and a documentary as well on it. So for everyone that knows this, I'm very sorry, but we're going to tell you anyway. So it was invented. I think it was like the classic non-stick was invented. 40s 50s so this company called dupont in the states created it and for many many years we've all used it we're like wow this is amazing teflon like you can cook anything doesn't stick the chemical again dyslexic gal over here is gonna struggle but basically it's pfoa you can look up the big word is like perfluorocatonic acid she's big but this particular chemical they've realized only relatively recently the amount of issues it causes so there was this big law case wouldn't explain the whole thing right now but go watch the movie i think it's called dark waters it's really good it's on this whole history it's wild Mm. i think it's still going on 
Yes. Like so the court case. The, yeah, this court case. So in about I think it was like ninety nine, they discovered the waters near the Dupont factory were really intoxicated. Animals were dying. People were getting sick. Everyone in the local town was getting really sick. A lawyer looked into it. Obviously, began a big investigation, and they took I think it was like seven years and a lot of backstory behind this to test about seventy thousand residents and like to see what was going on in their bodies. And I think they discovered about six different like cancers, issues that everyone was kind of riddled with due to this particular chemical PFOA. So like, I don't need to list everything, but incredibly bad for you. So that obviously was like, oh, this is bad. We're going to stop doing this now. That only got canned officially, I think in like 2013. That's not that long ago that they stopped making these pans coated in this stuff. So obviously a lot of people still have pans from that. I think there was a stat that like in 2006, 90% of the aluminium pans sold were these pans. So like think about your parents, your grandparents, everyone still has these pans lying around, like everyone's still using them. Mm. And yeah, they're leaching these chemicals into your system. But the interesting interesting thing now is they're like, cool, we're going to change it. It's going to be a different chemical. It's now, I think it's like PTFE. Can't think of the big word for that either. But this one hasn't yet shown to have the same effects but it has an effect that if you heat your pan with these these new teflon pans to i think it's over 260 degrees celsius which is like a standard steak that you'd kind of fry up in this pan you get something called it's called the teflon flu so within about four hours you can start getting headache chills fatigue you might need to go to hospital because you feel like you're just declining in health rapidly Mm, this will resolve within about 48 hours but like that's still the level of nonstick pan that we're using today. And like that DuPont company that got through all these lawsuits and whatnot, they're still making these. So like, this is still a thing that people aren't aware of. And the scary thing is like when we initially made those Teflon pans all those years ago, back in the fifties or whatever year it was, we didn't know the long-term effects. And that's exactly where we are again. We don't know the long-term effects. So just because it's better, we don't actually know that it's better. Yeah. So we don't know what the long-term effects could be. Yeah, it's a definitely recommended movie to watch. Mm, mm. Yeah, bloody hectic. Yeah. So yeah, moving to cast iron, stainless steel are our top two. If you're really attached to nonstick, there is like a ceramic nonstick cookware as well, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah. swapping yeah. your pans yeah. over, massive, massive mm. game changer for your health. So going back to like blood sugar regulation, another hack we like to use is apple cider vinegar. Not just apple cider vinegar, it's the acetic acid that's in vinegar Vinegar. products. And when we have acetic acid, it slows the gastric empty, which is like how fast your stomach empties. So when we slow that down, that obviously slows the release of the sugars that get digested. So that slows the, the spike that you get. So when we have apple cider vinegar with water for our meals, that can like really be a powerful tool to help regulate our blood sugars. Mm. And it also helps like increase the uptake of glucose like into the cells. Yeah, it's an incredibly simple thing to do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For like what we're talking about, yeah. just having a tablespoon and some water before a meal 
game changer. Mm. And it doesn't only do that. It doesn't only regulate blood sugar, but it helps stimulate your digestion as well. Yeah. So like apple like cider vinegar. Acid. Yeah. Increases your stomach acid and helps you actually break down your food better. And then breaking down your food better, you can better uptake the glucose and obviously all the nutrients as well. Mm. So it's just such a beautiful and easy thing to incorporate yeah. for so much better health. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah, everything. So yeah. we love it. This isn't on the list, but I think it's really interesting when, when I learned it. So, like, the raw milk, like, mm. illegal. Like, you, you're not allowed to sell raw milk yeah. uh, to people. So, what raw milk is, it, like, contains, like, all the bacteria and enzymes that milk has. So, when it goes through processing and the pasteurization and the homogenization of the milk, which just basically heats the milk to kill the bacteria. That's also killing the enzymes within the milk, which is lactase. So lactase is also produced in the human body to help break down lactose, the sugar within mm. milk. So when you buy lactose-free milk, all that is, is they add the enzyme lactase back into the milk to reduce the amount of lactose in the milk. Right. So it's like we're getting raw milk, pasteurizing it, and then taking out all the good stuff and also like the low chance of bad bacteria. That's like why they've done it. So, and then they're just like bringing it back and putting back the lactase enzyme back into the milk to make the lactose free. Right. So that's why like there's a big movement around like raw milk being i guess pushed to be like what i said better yeah, yeah like <laughs> better for us because it has all the natural enzymes with it that help us digest it because like mm. a lot of people everyone's can't. lactose free now everyone yeah, yeah yeah and like heaps of people are lactose intolerant and things like that mm. it's because like their guts like have been damaged over over the past like their whole lives mm. So they're not producing the lactase they need and it's not in the milk. So when they have the milk, they're just not able to break it down. Right. It gives them the gas and the bloating and the runs and everything like that. Yeah. Mm. So like natural milk as it's meant to be, we should be able to digest really easily. But again, we've fucked with it and now we can't have it. Same with the water. We take stuff out. We have to add stuff back in. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, moral of the story, everything in its original natural form is what the human body is meant to take on. Yeah. yeah. So can someone, if someone is lactose-free, mm. if they just, like, <laughs> reintroduced it mm. and just, like, stuck it out for a little bit, would the body adapt? In theory, it could, for sure. Like, yeah. we're not going to tell people to do that, not without guidance sure. and not without a lot of gut healing and stuff too, because if your gut's fucked, it's probably not going to be equipped yeah. to do that. But that is a big thing with mm. all foods, not just lactose. The whole like taking it out and then when you put it back in, the body's like, what is this? It's going to freak mm. out. Mm. But there's actually, yeah, I think there's actually a few studies that show like when you reintroduce it slowly over long term, your body remembers the bacteria that you need to break it down, get restored. The enzymes yeah. come back. Like it does happen, but obviously there'd be a phase of, there's always a reintroduction phase. And we always do reintroduction phases with clients as well. Mm. At the end of like gut healing programs, you like slowly reintroduce stuff, see how the body's ready, if the bacteria's grown, mm. if the enzymes have developed. Yeah, it's really interesting how everyone mm. has all these intolerances now. But yeah, it's like if we didn't take it out from the start, would we have had it? Yeah. So do you guys know the story with the our cow, how that 
like why they're back on the made shelf. Made by cow? I'm like made that. Made by cow. Yeah, yeah, which is which is what is it? Non-partial. Like it's cold pressed raw milk. It's cold pressed. Yeah. So so Very is that how they get it. around? Yes. It? Yeah. Okay. You explain it. You're better than me. Well, it like basically goes into plastic bottles and then it goes into a big cold pressing machine. Yeah. Like pr- like cold presses the the bottles and eliminates the the bad bacteria. But it's a it's a better processing than anything else that we have at the moment. Yeah. Because it's not it's not yeah. heating the milk and killing that the the enzymes within the milk. Right. It's just trying to focus more on like the bad bacteria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's definitely like probably the best milk you can get mm. at I've the moment. Some. Proud of you, love boy. <laughs> so proud. We haven't actually got it yet. And then they came back out like what three days ago or something. Yeah, they were, pretty yeah, quick. They were really like quick a about week, it. A week. Yeah, I just so I saw stoked. it on Twitter. And it's actually it's not like in. It's kind of kind of hidden in Harris Farm because mm. I was like I was getting my milk and I was like, hang on, that milk. Oh, I saw it. I saw it in No, we were so excited so, when we saw that. Yeah. Win yeah, for the yeah. week. Yeah, they were good. And just yeah, great the, milk. The taste as well. Oh, it's like so good. Better milk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I would say I bloat to like your, your classic. What's like a classic milk brand? I don't know. A classic milk brand. Mm. Uh, make me feel funky. Yeah. yeah. This milk, other really good like non-homogenized ones I seem to tolerate really well as well. Like mm-hmm. it's just incredible how we just mess around with our food so much. Yeah. That our body's like, I don't know what this is. But then if it's just what it is, like, we can tolerate it and absorb it. It's just it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's hope. We've got one more. It's, I mean, it's everyone talks about it. We all know about it. It's, like, just the biggest thing of the last year, but it's just cold water exposure. It's not really a mind-blowing fact, but I just think sometimes maybe people forget why we're doing them. But it's like, ooh, mm. everyone's doing them. It's so How great. Because it's like you're putting your body into, like, a severely stressed mm. state. Yeah, like which some people will argue is really bad. I've seen a lot of people arguing that recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like that's what the body's designed to do is like get in a seriously acute stressful situation mm. and then get out of it. Mm. And then the body's like, oh, okay, I'm not in that state anymore. I'm okay. Sure. And it learns from that and adapts to that. But it's that chronic stress that's like you in a message from your box and you're like, oh, yeah, from your girlfriend. You're like, like, yeah, we can't cope like with little things. things all the time that mm. stress in the body, but we put ourselves under those like really short-term stress moments that can help deal with those small stress moments. Because your body's like, oh, that's what stress is. Stress yeah. isn't my yeah, boss yeah. messaging me. Stress is like, yeah. fuck, am I going to survive? Yeah. That's what stress is meant yeah. to be so for the body. So that's what the do. Like, I think it was, it raises the dopamine like 250% above baseline and they can hold that for about two to five hours mm. which is huge it's like the feel-good chemical so it's yeah. like why people smoke it's why people have addictions like it's sure why we eat a lot of food and things like that it can that there's dopamine that all responses and it, it's interesting because it's like there's good ways to have dopamine there's bad ways to have dopamine and it's just like how i guess good our relationship with those habits are yeah. if they're controlling it because like when if you get addicted to ice baths <laughs> honestly <laughs> honestly probably mm. seems to be people are like mm. we love them talk about brown fat yeah yeah so brown fat so there's white fat and brown fat so 
brown fat is on the, the skeletal muscle and when babies are born you know how they're like chubby like yeah they're born with like heaps of brown fat right it's because they can't shiver to keep themselves warm and brown fat is thermogenic which means it like it heats itself so because they can't shiver they're insulated with this like self-regulating little blanket of fat and that starts to lower as we we get older but what like ice bars and cold therapy can do is increase that brown fat within our body which can help with like the circulation and body temperature regulation because we have more of the brown fat which helps keep us warmer mm. that's why people adapt to the cold is because they're gaining more brown fat which we're meant to have more of right we've, we've definitely naturally lost a lot of our brown fat over the over yeah the we're years. just using aircon all the time we're always climate Mm, regulated, regulated. Um, yeah. we're just weaker now <laughs> we're just yeah, little babies now but it's, babies without the brown yeah, we have to force ourselves into stressful situations to get out of stressful situations <laughs> <laughs> yeah instead of just stopping the stressful situations but that's just not yeah, realistic in the modern yeah. age but I think yeah people are just forgetting why we're doing ice baths and it's just good little good little reminder for you all put simply the way that you you explained it is is like because a lot of people focus on the health and the body benefits and that, which is what you're saying. But at the same time, when you break it down to putting the body through the stress, so that voluntarily to teach yourself how to deal with the stress, so that again, when a stressful situation does come up, or what the body thinks is a fight with a partner, boss texting, whatever. To, you know how to do that mm. because you've put yourself in it. It's why breath, that's kind of the reframe I had with breath work was you go, you put that body through the stress and then when you go through the breath hold, mm. it's like keep holding because mm. the body yeah. like the body can hang on. Oh, yeah. And it's like, but it's going through the motions of like, okay, the body is reacting right now, yeah. but keeping the mind okay, like yeah. keeping the mind calm while the body is doing its thing. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed that like when I've done breath work, it's like, I can get those, you know, those palpitations that yeah, happen, yeah, like yeah, where you go, bleh, bleh. Yeah. I can go to like 30, mm. I can get like 30 of those now. Whereas before I'd get like one or two and mm. I'm like, okay, cool. Like that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. But since pushing it, it's like the body can just, and then, if it, and then you go through waves of it as well, mm. yeah. where it's like, you yeah. go, get to like 20 and it's like, they're not as bad anymore. Yeah. And you mm. start to. And I've noticed that it's like you get to teach yourself how much you can actually handle yeah. as we well. Yeah, handle so much. Yeah, so it's like much. your body's having a physical lesson and a mental lesson at the same time. Yeah. An energetic lesson as well. Like it's school. The ultimate school. The ultimate school. The ultimate school, chucking in yourself on a nice box. So everyone, school. go to school. Go to school. Go to you school. get to go to school. <laughs> nice. So uh, like with all of this, because I guess one thing that we spoke about at the very start too was like, this idea too of people becoming quite they kind of do themselves a disservice by becoming so stressed and so focused on their health because then also after listening to this like Mm. it can kind of create some alarm bells sure but for someone who just wants to create i guess more balance and more be health conscious but not go down the Mm -hmm. the dark path of Mm -hmm. overdoing it Mm -hmm. Where like where do, where do they start or what's like what are you guys doing 
at the moment to really make sure that health is good, but you're enjoying life and you're allowing the body to do what it yeah. does best. Yeah, what's what's your I think for me, take? joy. If something takes a joy out of something for me, it's not worth it. Do you know what I mean? Like if I'm just really happily barefoot that day, for example, and I don't feel like putting my shoes on, if me putting my shoes on is going to leach that like sensation of joy from me, I'm like, no, it's not worth it. I want to feel good. Yeah. Mm. Obviously, there's always a balance. And some people I would say maybe don't know that line. I think we've just got that line very well established because we've been doing this for so long. And other people on the other end of the spectrum, they just do everything and other people mm. do nothing. But I think for me, yeah, it's massively joy. Like, yeah, so control. Yeah, different extreme personalities, like generational trauma, they passed down trauma from their parents, how they deal with situations. Yes. Like mm. some people might even need to go to therapy to like really understand why they do what they do, with, mm. especially with like health and food and things like that. Mm. Like if it's that extreme, then definitely seeking help to, yeah. to like sort of, overcome those those barriers to actually keeping balance with anybody mm. um but yeah like with, yeah. With, with the joy like if you're just not feeling happy mm. like genuinely happy and mm. joy you feel like you're missing what out you're doing. yeah yeah if you, you feel like you're always missing out on things your friends go out for a drink and you're like oh i may as well just not go because i don't drink alcohol like, yeah. or whatever sure like, like it's okay to go have a drink of alcohol like yeah, if you're taking care of yourself, you yeah. know you're taking care of yourself, your body is equipped to have that yeah. alcohol and it's a good mm. thing and it's yeah. the balance and we push balance so yeah. hard. But yeah, with the joy, obviously there's the whole like dopamine detox phase that we're all in. So if it's just like joy, 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 yeah. balance of joy as well. But like overall, if, yeah. Yeah, if I feel like I'm there's missing out on that, like there joy is. And mm. like dopamine just like pleasure. Yeah, pleasure yeah. is the word, not yeah. <laughs> like it's seeking. Joy, which is like really soul fulfilling, mm. whether just like a pleasure, like sure, eating a donut or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, like for me, joy is cooking. Like, I love food. I love cooking food so much. Mm. But, like, of course, sometimes I'm going to put in, I don't know, too much cheese, too much butter. Not that butter's bad, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to make something delicious through cooking because it brings me so much joy. Yeah. To create yeah. like taste and flavor and stuff mm. like that. But, like, that's not the same for everyone, but it's, yeah, it's just doing what brings you joy in a balanced way at the end mm. of the day. Mm. We got the, another big tip is like, chew your food. Oh yeah. We chew didn't actually food. do that one. Chew and chew smell your food, food everyone. Food. Yeah. Food. That's, I think that's why like home cooking meals is so healthy. Obviously because you can control sure. what you're eating yeah. by choosing specific ingredients. But also like the smelling of the food, like you mm. take half an hour 45 minutes to cook a meal you're smelling it the whole time mm. your body is preparing mentally and physically to eat so it's producing sure. all the right enzymes. levels of acid and levels of enzymes mm. like it just makes sense in that sort of view but when we just like order takeout we just like order it off the menu that comes and watching like TV. barely smelt it and you just like sure. eat it. just pump it down pump it like, down. i was just chilling now i'm eating food like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like the amount of people that come in and they're like oh i'm bloating i don't know why and like of course there's so many reasons for that but it's like are you smelling your food are you going through that's called the cephalic phase of digestion like the brain the brain phase of digestion right. like okay no are you chewing it properly to break it down to help the enzymes break it down no i'm chewing it like two times you meant to chew What's the number? I think it's like 30 to 30 40, 40 times per mouthful. Trying, trying. That's a so lot. 40. Yeah. So like most people, no, 
Are you laying down during or pretty much straight after eating? Yes. You're not meant to do that either. Are yeah. you watching TV? Are you like really distracted while you're eating? So your brain's not even aware that it needs to digest. Yes. Mm. So it's like if you're not doing, that's what we tell every single client. These fundamentals of digestion and then you're complaining about your digestion. Yeah. Like guys. Yeah. Chew your food. Chew your food. <laughs> Just like the classic. You only chewed 22 yeah. times. I saw it. Do one more. It can, no. it can be like a spiritual experience as well. And like really like, I think that's where like in religion, like, like prayer and like gratefulness yeah. and gratitude mm. for your meal and you'll come around as a family and like be grateful and pray and like yeah. all those things. It's like you're taking that time to just like stop, mm. think about the food you're eating, where it came from, be grateful for it, and then just in actually enjoying your food. Mm. Food is so like good. Whatever the food is, it could be bad food or good food like sure. actually taking the time to slowly mm. chew it like got even into like a paste in your mouth just to experience that because like, mm. we'll just yeah. like chew twice and just swallow mm. yeah. it's just like yeah so much harder for your body to break down mm. and food is such a joy of life like it's yeah. such a joy we're so mm. blessed as humans to get all these taste buds like pretty much no other animal has it to the same degree yeah that we do like it is such a joy and a pleasure for us we're so lucky like, go sit down and enjoy your meals, everyone. Like, mm. you, food shouldn't feel like a chore. Yeah. And if it does feel like a chore, that's an issue, in my opinion. <laughs> Where can people find you? And then also, mm-hmm. like, a bit of a shameless plug here in, like, how, how you help your clients. And, mm. like, if someone was interested in joining, mm. like, going down a, a gut health journey or just a general, mm. like, health journey, how do you help your clients and where can people find you? So I'd say find us on Instagram. That's our, our main... Are you just squeeze? Can I <laughs> <laughs> If you're a lemon. <laughs> Love lemons. Um, so, yeah, Instagram, Holist is our name. So, H-O-L-I-S-T. Yeah. That's us. There's a picture of the two of us in the profile picky. And we yeah, just share. Instagram, it's underscore Holist oh, yeah. underscore. Mm-hmm. Oh, someone stole it. Oh, heavy. Bitch. No, I'm kidding. Trade market. <laughs> Bash it. Yeah. Yep. And then we just share heaps of pretty much just like points that we were talking about today. Just lots of little health tips. Yeah. More geared towards digestion, but also kind of just all over the shop. We just love sharing about health. Mm. And so holistic eating. Like loads ed- of recipes. Education around food. Um, we love yeah, food. And through our website on holist.com. Yeah. You can find us on there. And... Yeah, we've got like our programs on there. We're just starting to look into like develop more like self-guided programs so people can do them like at their own pace. We've called it like the gut recharge group at the moment on Instagram that anyone can do it's can journey, can join. <laughs> Whoa, it's time to finish. Anyone can join. It's completely free and we're just giving like just some fun health gut tips and like accountability up until Christmas because it's a pretty wild time from then on so yeah feel free to join that if you find our page um but yeah really just we're just passionate about teaching and passionate about food that's the vibe yummy yum yum yummy thanks guys thank you